I met Ishtavan when I was 20 years old and he was the most exotic uh, person I'd ever laid eyes on. We met at the Roundhouse at Sydney, uh, at New South Wales University. Uh, he was a third year psych student and uh, he was smoking cigarellos and drinking shots of black coffee. I was a third year university, uh, third year student at university as well. I was doing social work and I had just come back from a Vietnam demonstration uh, wearing Mary Quant eyelashes and uh, false eyelashes and my very favourite Indian mirror dress. Uh, it was the clash of two worlds. Um, we were married in 1975 and as we walked down the aisle we had It's Time played <laughs> as, <laughs> as our exit. Um, it was a very, very exciting time. Three years later, as most of you know, the Whitlam government was dismissed and like a lot of outraged Australians, I joined the local branch of my Labor Party with a baby in hand. The thing was, the Labor Party branch that I joined was the smallest branch in Australia. <laughs> it was in Hunters Hill. Now, <laughs> for those of you who don't know Hunters Hill, it's at the other end of the spectrum to Blacktown. Um, Hunters Hill is a tiny peninsula that juts into Sydney Harbour and it's famous for three things. It has the highest density of judges, solicitors and real estate agents. It's also one of the richest suburbs in Sydney. It also has, interestingly, the highest ratio of public housing of any local government area in Australia. Uh, yeah, and of course, at, at its heart, the third most interesting thing is it has the oldest operating psychiatric hospital in Australia, <laughs> Gladesville Hospital. It also happened to be the jewel in John Howard's crown of Benelong. So I joined the local Labor Party branch and because it was so tiny, it didn't take very long for me to rise through the ranks. I only had to <laughs> knock three people off. And, um, and I became the branch secretary. I can't tell you, as a young mum, how excited I was to be the branch secretary of the Labor Party in Hunters Hill. I would sit at my typewriter every day sending hundreds of letters off to everyone, talking about the balance of trade and bringing the troops home and doing this. But my very favourite activity was to write to the local council complaining about various planning decisions that they were making, all addressed to the building inspector. And they'd always start somewhat, I thought, excitingly, comrade building inspector. <laughs> and signed every time fraternally yours, or, if I was feeling particularly cheeky, in solidarity. <laughs> he hated me. He hated me. He was a great fan of John Howard's and was living for the day that John Howard would eventually become leader of the Liberal Party, which he did. But anyway, so eventually, I just loved this so much. I had such a taste. And by this time, uh, Ishtavan and I had had a second child. And life was just perfect and my husband was totally, totally apolitical. He was a Hungarian refugee, he'd fled Hungary in 1956 so he had no interest in politics but he could see how much it meant to me and how happy I was. So when I came home and told him that I wanted to throw my hat in the ring and go into local government, he was very supportive. He thought it was a great idea. So I put my submission in to be the endorsed first only ever woman endorsed ALP candidate for the Hunters Hill Council. 
and he was supportive of that. So I, I got this thing what they call, uh, and I don't know if Elizabeth got it, it's called candidate's disease, and it turned me into an absolute demented door knocker. <laughs> I would just knock on doors. I couldn't help it. I became compulsive. And I would take my two little boys with me. They were really tiny, and I used to put them in those strappy harnesses, you know, that sort of... And people used to say to me how terrible it was because it made them look like puppies. And... Um, <laughs> And, you know, they're 33 and 34 and as loyal as. But anyway, <laughs> I just slipped that one in. Anyway, so this particular afternoon we were out door knocking and they were getting a bit tired and we had to get home because play school was about to start. And, um, and we knocked on this one particular door and, as I said, I was a bit demented and I didn't notice that the front door had these bullet holes in it. In fact, I thought it was some sort of creative, you know, fly screen. <laughs> Well, it turned out the door opened and there were these two big goons standing on either side of this man. And the man was Lenny McPherson, Mr Sin. In fact, I think the Daily Telegraph had described him as the man who ran uh, the underworld in Sydney. And the Sydney Morning Herald described him as the most evil man in Sydney's criminal history. And there he was between these two men looking down at me with two boys on a harness. (laughs) I was 28 years of age. He took one look at me, and I'm not exaggerating, he fell madly in love with me. (laughs) Now, I like to think it's because he looked at me and he could see, he thought to himself, now there's a woman who knows how to treat the men in her life. (laughs) So he looked at me and he said, don't you worry about electioning from now on, I'll take care of everything. (laughs) I didn't even know who he was. So a couple of days later, the council elections are on and I get elected with a landslide. An absolute landslide. There's an 8% swing. Elizabeth, eat your heart out. 8% swing to me. Anyway, so you can imagine for the next... So I get on to Hunters Hill Council, I'm elected, and there's 11 Liberal aldermen and me. It was a very lonely time on council particularly with the building inspector there. (laughs) His hatred of me just had grown exponentially. But you know what? I loved it. I was so happy. I couldn't get anything seconded because every time I put my hand up, you know, nobody backed me up. Anyway, so that all went on, but I still loved it. I loved the fact that I could see that change could be made and that people would come to me with their problems and I could solve them, and it was just extraordinary. In fact, I was enjoying myself so much that after three years, I started to think maybe what I could do is throw my hat into the ring for state politics. I'd even started to think about the dress that I'd wear at my maiden maiden speech in New South Wales Parliament. But then the bottom just fell out of my world because Stephen rang me, Ishtavan rang me. He'd just been to the doctors and unexpectedly... He was told that he had cancer and that it was a very serious form of cancer. It was actually unknown in Australia at that time. It was testicular cancer. It was very rare. No one knew anything about it, how to treat it even. And the doctor had told him that he needed to go into hospital for surgery the next day because they knew that the secondaries would be lung cancer and it needed to be treated immediately. They weren't even sure how to do it but he'd be operated on the next day and then almost immediately he would start on a course of chemotherapy and radiotherapy. 
I was devastated. So was he. I didn't want to be a widow. I was 29 years of age by that stage, or a bit older. We had two small children, and he was my life. Anyway, he started on the treatment. And after a couple of weeks, his hair started to fall out, and he got very thin, and he got very sick. And he came home one day, and he looked at me, and he said, forgive me, but I don't want to do this anymore. I would rather be dead. And I looked at him and I thought, God, he is, he's dying in front of me. And I was so angry. So the next day I went up to the oncology unit at Royal North Shore Hospital and I demanded to see the head oncologist. And he came out and he said to me, listen, we've tried everything. We've tried everything with him. We've given him stematol, we've given him this, we've given it. We cannot stop the nausea, the vomiting. If he could hang in there, he said, you know, we might be able to get a cure. But at this stage, we, we just can't do anything. And as he turned to leave, he stopped and he turned round to me and he said, you know, there is one thing that works, just one thing we know. He said, but it's illegal. And he said, and the only way I can get it is I send my daughter up to King's Cross. It's marijuana. If you can get him some marijuana, maybe that will help. So like I said, I'm a young woman. I've got this huge political career in front of me. I've got two small children and I've got a husband facing death. So I reinvent myself. I become a drug lord. <laughs> I ring one of my friends who's a lecturer at Macquarie Uni and he goes out and buys some dope for me straight up. That'll tide us over. Then he goes and gets some C's. I go up to Coles, I buy the Jiffy Pods <laughs> and some gardening tools. That afternoon I dig up the entire backyard, entire fence line, and I'm in there and I plant my dope. Guess what? I've got a new talent. I grow great dope. <laughs> Shitloads of it. It's tall and it's green. It's got these great big heads on it. And my neighbour next door, he's a great gardener, so he's always hanging over the fence watering it for me. <laughs> and instead of talking about how tall the kids are, now we're always talking about how tall the dope is. And by the time it reaches the top of the paling fence, Stephen is, or Ishtavan is back in treatment and he's doing well. The only thing is when I come home from a council meeting, often he's sitting in front of the test pattern eating a Mars bar. <laughs> this is just great. You should see this. So life went back to normal. And I started, I started to replot my political career. Until that afternoon that the ranger got sick. Now, what used to happen in our little council was the ranger used to deliver the council papers about two days before the council meeting. And you were given those two days to read through, and it was about so big, and he'd leave it at the front porch. So when I came home, there it'd be. But this particular afternoon, he was sick, and he sent the building inspector. Oh. <laughs> I love doing that. <laughs> he sent the building inspector. How do I know? Because when I got home, the council papers were at the back step with a little handwritten note, nice tomato plants, councillor. I'll see you tomorrow night. I knew my political career was over. But more importantly, like a Russian peasant under a full moon, I needed to get that entire harvest in <laughs> before the cops were called. So I spent all night out there with my sickle, cutting down, cutting down the marijuana. I bought it in, I dried it out, 
And the next morning I called a courier company. To this day, that courier company doesn't know that that two kilo package of brown paper that they took to the oncology unit at Royal North Shore was the same stuff that's traditionally found in boogie boards at Bali Airport. (laughs) I saw out my time on that council very quietly, knowing that my career was no more. Melanie loves it when I tell the PS part of the story, and I will tell you all that. So the building inspector, strangely, never stood for, never went back to the council either after the end of that term. Apparently too many questions were asked of him about that Gold Coast unit that he'd suddenly just bought up near Mermaid Beach on that tiny salary that he was earning as a council officer. And years later, when I used to hear about those buildings collapse on, you know, along the, the coastline of Surface Paradise, I used to think he must be working up there on Gold Coast <laughs> Council. Lenny McPherson, people said to me, why didn't you ring Lenny and ask him for drugs? Well, Lenny McPherson became really well known after that and eventually was arrested for tax evasion and put, in hos- uh, put into jail. And he died in jail, not holding my picture, as some of my friends say that he did, <laughs> my election poster. Stephen and I, Ishtavan and I, our marriage didn't survive that terrible time. But he did. And he's alive today and very happy and lives up in the Hunter Valley and is very pleased that I go around telling this story. (laughs) And finally for me, well, it was the end of my career in politics. But it gave me some of the best stories of my life. And thank you for letting me share one of them here tonight. (laughs) 